Hollywood Cove. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That timing was on point, yeah, though. That timing was he, he was waiting for that. Bro, that timing. <laughs> Yo, shout out to you, Cypher. Yo, this guy is. He's a big track, man. He's a big, <laughs> big, big track. track. You got that rapper blood in him, you know? Yo, I got yeah. <laughs> We got to spit some bars soon. soon. I, I got to throw this oh, in here right now, though, just while this beat's flowing. Yeah, what's up? J. Cole over Kendrick. I'm going to leave that right there. It's too early for, I'm the, leave for that, that right kind of there. conversation. We, we just, just, just started. I'm going to leave that right there. 30 seconds in, and this guy's already trying to start a fight. Yo, Matt's <laughs> didn't even do his signature yet. Like, we're, yeah, like yeah, come man. on, man. Ah, right, man, hit him. Yo, we're back. We are back. We're back. It's the After Hours Show live on East FM. 102.7 with your homies, 3D Sound. It's me, Matt, and I'm in the booth with my boys. This is Cypher. It's your boy, Prodigy. What's going on? What's up, boys? In the Narakadu. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. seven, number, seven, super seven. Number seven. I've been told I'm a number seven. I don't know what it means. Are you number seven? What's, Bro, what's, the date? what's your birthday? I don't want to expose seven. my birthday on the no, air, but the I, the I, was, date, the date was the number seven. The so I've been a told I'm a number seven. Oh, he's born on a straight seven. Yeah, yeah. Straight oh, seven. straight seven? And then apparently I have a second number two. God knows what that means, but you know. I don't know any of that stuff to be Y'all honest. Y'all sharing number sevens? Because you used to have so much respect, but now I feel like you share it with Panji. You are like, you are one of those guys that would know what every number means. I don't. I only know the numbers that apply to me. <laughs> <laughs> How convenient, smart man. Smart I'm a number man. three. Shout out to number threes out there. Number three, know. two. You know, oh, what's, big, up? Yo, what's up? Okay, Cypher. Alright, it's enough chatting about you two. Yo, number three. No all cares about y'all. Number seven is a good number. Up until today, up until this point, mm. like, <laughs> it up. It's every other number is irrelevant. <laughs> well, what's going on, boys? I think we got some some important stuff to talk. Yeah, to, we talk do to today. We do. It, there's been a lot of things going on in uh, in our community, uh, in North America in general. Uh, you know, in the light of a lot of situations, we're gonna turn today's tone into a little bit more of a serious conversation, just because we think it's absolutely needed, especially in today's time. So in, on today's Spotlight series, you know, the segment of the show where we bring on a special guest uh, that talks on topics that uh, are, uh, are very valid and very important to, to touch on. Uh, we got a special guest in the building. Her name is Deepika Balakrishnan. Deepika, what is going on? Hi, everyone. How's it going? How are you? I'm good. How are you, love? We're, we're very good. We're very pleased to have you on the air as well. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Deepika is uh, actually a part of multiple projects. Uh, she's actually one of the founders of the Banana Leaf Company, which is a videographer group uh, here based out of Toronto. Uh, again, as well as a part of the Community Crisis Response Unit for the city of Toronto as well. Um, so Deepika, it's a real pleasure having you today. And it's actually very timely, um, given that there's a lot of things going on in the world today, at least in the Western Hemisphere. Um, and it's definitely affecting us here uh, at home and in Toronto as well. So let's start off, and, and I guess, Deepika, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what you do for the city, uh, that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. So um, as everyone mentioned, my name is Deepika. I work for the City of Toronto's Community Crisis Response Program. Um, in like, the community social justice world, they call it CCRP. And basically, we work ar- across Toronto, providing support and resources to communities impacted by violent and traumatic incidents. So uh, whether it's um, policy-oriented or when there's, like, an actual incident um, that's violent that occurs in the city, um, we step in. We bring a, a lot of, like, key stakeholders and community partners into that space and figure out what the next steps are to support the community that's impacted by such a traumatic incident. So when I'm talking about violent or traumatic incident, that includes, like, homicide, swarming, raids, stabbing, shooting, shots fired, anything to do with um, gang violence. 
pretty much. Um, we have handled some situations with uh, terrorism and domestic violence, but overall, like our my specialty is um, community violence. So um, that's kind of what we do. We facilitate like community safety audits, and we foster development of like very innovative community safety projects. Um, there's about six of us in the entire city, and I'm responsible for all of Scarborough because they obviously put a Tamil girl in Scarborough. <laughs> Of course. Um, yeah, of course. So um, pretty cool, though, because like I never grew up in Scarborough. So um, it was really interesting to see how I um, was hesitant because I was like, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to uh, feel going into this kind of uh, uh, these wide range of communities. And I never realized how much I fell in love with the east end of the city. It's a really dope place. Uh, very good people. Um, I underestimated the demographics of that uh, city end for sure but um very grateful for that opportunity but yeah that's kind of what i do uh d- definitely like uh, policy oriented but i feel like with my job i have to be frontline in order to make the policies i want to create at the city yeah for so sure. that's kind of who i am yeah i, I think uh you touched on a, a lot of great points there but one thing that just hit me by surprise i don't know if it hit you guys by surprise but six people for the entire city that's pretty that's crazy that's, that's a that's a pretty small group to represent such a huge uh, you know demographic uh, of various different cultures and various different backgrounds. Um, do you find that challenging in Toronto or at least in Scarborough for your region? Just given that you know you have a Tamil background, obviously, and we have right. a huge population of Tamils in Scarborough, but also you know various other types of uh, backgrounds as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I think um, Scarborough is so huge, like yeah. geographically. When you think about it, I start. I'm responsible for I'm like. Victoria Park and Edmonton all the way to like Port Union and go all the way to Steel Glamour to the border of Markham, right? right? So when you really look at that, like um, when I grew up, all I thought, like, because I grew up in downtown, I knew what neighborhoods were, right? Um, and then anytime, like, I thought of Scarborough, I just thought of like this big place called Scarborough where a bunch of like stumble aunties and uncles are going to judge whatever I do. <laughs> so uh, when I moved, uh, when I started learning about Scarborough, I didn't realize like Chester Lee, Orton Park, Danzig, Galloway, Melbourne, um, you know, like Kennedy Park, like all these amazing different communities. And it's so difficult because everyone has their own dynamics and politics when you go into those neighborhoods. You know, there's some people who are um, not open to newcomers, right? Um, there's some communities that have a lot more of an LGBTQ plus presence. Uh, there's some communities that have way more gang um, conflicts than like others and so many cultural dynamics and a lot of cultural gangs too. So um, it's, crazy to say but like it literally took me a year and a half and i'm still learning um how every community works right and like some communities have a lot more engagement when it comes to like what community means compared to others so sometimes i have to work a little bit harder to get residents to be like you know what i'm willing to be that person or that face for topeka to advocate for us to get things done right so um it's it's a lot and you have to also deal with everything that comes with scarborough which is the fact that there are people who have conflict with scarborough communities right so there's people in north york the west end outside of the city outside of the province and even outside of canada to an extent that have conflicts with people in scarborough and communities in scarborough so like analyzing that and assessing it it takes a huge toll on you but you just have to find a way to make it work because to be honest if you don't get this stuff done people get impacted, right? So that's kind of like our coping mechanism to keep going, if that makes sense. For sure, Deepika. And one question that came up while you were talking about this is that you said that you're still learning. It's, it's been more than a year and you're still learning things every day. My question is, how did you get involved in this? How, how did you uh, become put in this kind of career and this kind of role? 
Yeah, th- thanks for that great question. Uh, to be honest, like I grew up in Parkdale, and when I grew up in the '90s and early 20s, um, in, like in that neighborhood, like we definitely had a lot of community violence. But I also grew up with um, the fact that like a lot of newcomers who were Tamil, like they actually started in Parkdale and then ventured out. I'm not too sure if you would know of that area. <laughs> it's like Lansdowne, Queen West area, and there was a lot of um, Tamil gang history that occurred during that time. If you guys remember. And on top of that, like I also dealt with a lot of community violence from other cultural groups and other uh, gang-affiliated groups in Parkdale. So I witnessed that. I lost a lot of people in my life that uh, from gang violence. Um, and you know, growing up, I realized like this stuff is not just because they want to be part of a group or have an identity. There's so many more layers to why they do the things that they do. And I wanted to see what could come out of that. So I studied. Um, I studied for my undergrad below studying, um, you know, the second generation story where it's like, you know, I wanted to help my parents because my dad got laid off. So I started as like a clerk in the Ontario government just while I was doing my undergrad and then eventually started like moving up, going to different ministries and different departments and realizing that when it comes to like supporting community, there's so many layers, whether it's health, education, you know, transportation, urban infrastructure, like all of that matters when you want a child or a young person to have a successful life. It's not just about family. It's about where they grow up in, right? So um, when I started like going to different fields and different departments within the Ontario government, I wanted to become so well-rounded that like when it comes to community violence, I understand the layers that come with that, right? Whether it's systemic oppression, um, the policies that like cities and provinces create, or even like how police or community partners, even teachers, how they look at kids, all of that matters, right? So building all that experience and my, uh, including my life experiences made me get into the city to do what I do now and um, to understand that like, you know, I'm doing a lifelong commitment of just learning, questioning my own biases and actively working to redistribute power and advocate for like historically marginalized communities, such as the Dumbo community. Because I am, I know what it's like to the fact that like no one ever looks up for the Dumbo community and we look out for ourselves. So I should be doing the same thing for other people, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, absolutely. You hit some great points there. I think that, um, I think something that you hit really, really solidly there is that uh, with, um, you know how you talked about, it's not just family, it's also environments and what these, like, these people are put into certain situations that lead to outcomes, you know, that, you're ending up being called in for, right, as a crisis response person. Now, this probably opens up your eyes to, like, you know, like, these issues that are, like, systemically put into into these these communities, right? Like, and and then even your job, right? Think about it. The whole city, there's only six of you guys. Um, There's obviously a lack of resources being put to be dealing with these kind of issues. So, I mean, do you think that, like, even your role could be, like, maybe not as required if maybe the city or, like, the resources were allocated properly from the start on the get-go to help these communities instead of having someone come in after something is happening. You know what I mean? Like, what, oh, what, yeah. what's your thoughts on something like that? No, you're 100% right. Because even like CCRP, like our program, we run by three pillars, which is like prevention, intervention, and preparation. So we come together, like I come, I bring everyone together as a result of an incident. And I sometimes hate it because it, everyone knows that, oh, when Deepika shows up into the community, it means something bad happened. <laughs> Right. Because like I'm all over Scarborough. So I don't get to see everyone as much as I would like to. I want to go to community events. I want to see the residents. I want to see a lot of my community partners. And but instead, like I'm here when like a young person passed away and I'm so tired of how normalized it is. 
um, I definitely wish that like um, we can bring a sustainable like a sustainability aspect to right. all of this. So that's my hope. Um, it's so sad because no matter how hard I try, I realize that even some of the com- community partners, like even police officers, they might have the best intentions. But systemically, there's nothing that's supporting them to get the stuff that they want done. Right. Right. Even when they want to be engaged with the community, sometimes there's like supervisors or there's someone out there blocking it. I've witnessed teachers and like other community partners who like are racist, right? Or like unconsciously racist. Like they see a brown or black kid and they automatically assume that, you know, let's criminalize this kid, Mm -hmm. right? Or like, why is this kid skipping class? That means that you know, they're up to something, right? Mm -hmm. Let's get them suspended or expelled. And then that kid looks at everyone going, you know what? If a teacher or a cop or anyone, including Deepika, looks at me this way all the time, then maybe I should be a criminal, right? No one has any hope for me, right? So like we we automatically build these biases without even realizing it. So we're like making kids like think that like, you know what? No one believes in me. Why should I believe in myself? Yeah. Right. So um, that's why that prevention aspect, I always try so hard to make time for it. So one example was um, DJ Prodigy. I want to give him a huge shout out because he was my MVP that day. But we did like a little mini <laughs> youth, violence, <laughs> youth violence prevention event because that's I'm not right, going to lie. Did. Like, yeah. And it was um, we invited like 250, 300 young people to come and witness like young dancers and young people to like be mentors for other younger folks. And, you know, even before the session, I brought a mental health specialist in and they talked about what trauma means for them, right? Because in the fellow community, we don't talk about trauma, mm-hmm. right? And then young people were talking about how, like, oh, you know, my parents don't talk to me about this stuff. I don't know what to do. Like, and when other older folks are talking about it, that was prevention. Because a lot of those young people realize I'm building these relationships with these mentors. And now they all see me, like, I see myself in a lighter way, right? And I see that, like, you know, there's a future for me. There's people out there looking out for us, right? Even if my parents don't want to talk to me, there's people that I can lean on to. And that really made, like, that resonated with me. And um, I really want to show, like, the positive aspects of our community because I don't know if Prodigy remembers, but, like, we had such positive vibes at that event. Like, everyone was very supportive. 100%. Like, you know, like, they were so good to each other. Like, you know, we're always used to such toxic vibes in our community. I really didn't want that. But that little initiative spoke volumes to all the young people because they all messaged me this year going, hey, Deepika, is that still happening this year? Right? Because they wanted to go through that whole, like, feeling of, oh, you know, like, community again. Because yeah. sense of community is definitely gone. Yeah, definitely. Just, yeah, you and know, I, like... And I think, touching on that point, like, you, you hit on a valid mm-hmm. point because it's it's about channeling, um, you know, different opportunities into uh, into new doors, right? So we're talking about channeling uh, that energy into music or channeling that energy into arts, into dance, whatever the case may be. And honestly, that's what we're all about here at After Hours too. We're trying to, we're, what we're trying to do is to push the culture in a method where uh, people are inspired to, to, to get art done and to get music done. And that's exactly what you did as well with Verstel uh, last year. And that was a great event. So I think th- that's a great transition into the next topic because, you know, we're talking about the Tamil community. And I think we've all seen uh, as of lately on social media uh, and on different platforms that there's been a rise in uh, various different types of violence in the Tamil community, whether that be, uh, you know, drug abuse, whether that be sexual assault, whether that be uh, shootings, whatever the case may be. Right. And I, I think it's because. Um, maybe it's, it's a lack of these opportunities to, to channel energies uh, or maybe it's simply because, you know, again, systemic racism still exists today and systemic traumas are still affecting our people today. Uh, would you agree with that? Would you say there's, there's an increase in, in violence in the Tamil community today? Um, and, and if so, why do you think that exists today? Yeah, I think violence is so complex. Like, there's so many layers to it. Like, for me, um, I have 
like my um, focus is community violence, but then I see how sexual assault and um, even drug abuse has become so common and it's common in so many other communities as well. I, I think for us, because our identity, our intersectionality is similar, like we resonate it with a lot more, right? Because we see ourselves or we see our siblings or someone we love in that position of someone being hurt or abused or us wondering like, why is this still happening in our community? And like recently, even with drug abuse, like I uh, lost someone I knew of to that. Right. And I think about how, you know, we all, we have like a guilty conscience, about like, how do we not know about this, you know, or we knew about this, but we didn't knew come to this extent. Right. And even with sexual assault, like last year, um, Darshika, she was a young woman, um, an amazing young woman who uh, passed away, unfortunately, due to domestic violence. Um, it was like someone who did not want her to live if he, if she was happy without him. And what happened to her was so unfortunate. And, um, you know, I was really proud of our community for like actually acknowledging what happened to her. And I think that's like the first step because our community does not talk about these issues at all. Even like parents, when they are aware that, you know, a young person was impacted by drug abuse or sexual assault, they don't advocate for their kids or they don't right away believe it or they don't want to accept it, right? Because they automatically assume that like we're bringing a bad name to our families by being associated with something like that, right? And instead of having open conversations about like, okay, why is this happening? What is the result of this? Why are we having specific biases about like, you know, what consent culture looks like? with men in our community or like why drug abuse is so common. I think that's like really important because then the parents will realize, okay, what can we do that is considered prevention? Because you, all of you are talking about prevention with the city, right? But like, what does prevention look like in our Tamil community when we're dealing with topics like these? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's really important because I'm so worried with like community violence. It's starting at the age of 11 and 12 now. Right. Like I have young people who I had a young person who got shot at Melbourne Library last year and he was 13 and I was trying to support him and, you know, figure things out, oh, connecting him yeah. to youth outreach workers. And he looked at me and said, don't worry, this I got street credit now. Like now people will respect me and be scared of wow. me. Yeah. And you, you look back and you're like, wow, like this is where we're at. Right. <laughs> right? So, quick question for you. Is like you're talking about like preventative, right? Like being prevent- mm-hmm. preventative. So what what can we like? I mean, obviously, every situation is unique, and like what you said earlier, like violence, it varies, right? There's so many different layers mm-hmm. to it, right? But like, in in your experience of what you see, what kind of like first steps can we talk about that could be preventative within our community? Like, what are we missing, or what is it that we need to be addressing as like a community, you know, to help at least, you know, not to to prevent these kind of things? What what, what does that look like to you, if if that's even a fair question to ask? I know it's so broad, no, but like. You're completely asking fair questions. I ask myself this every single day. I'm trying to learn it myself. To be honest, I really do think we need to bring parents and young people into a space to address the generational differences, right? And then talking about what these terms are. Like, we need to define them for what they are, right? Like, when our parents talk about marijuana, they're terrified. I'm not too sure about you, but majority of the parents that I encounter, they're very scared about the side effects of marijuana because they have all these biases growing up about what that does to you, right? And what that means because it's such a taboo, right? So they connect that to cocaine and all these other drugs and it can be very triggering, but I really do believe when it comes to prevention, we all need to be on the same page. And for us to be on the same page, we have to educate our parents. We have to educate ourselves on how we talk to our parents, right? And then from there, like if our friends are going through stuff, I really think we need to take that step forward because it's easy for us to help a 13-year-old. 
but it's really hard for us to help a 26 year old, right? Like they're an adult to an extent, like they have their own rights. They have to make the decision to say like, you know, I'm dealing with these issues. Like I need to take that step forward to help you because we can't force them to get that help as well. Right. So balancing that complexity. So like, what does it look like? So we have to be preventative with younger folks and, you know, being there for them. And you know how we talked about earlier that, you know, education, financial situations, urban infrastructure, even like the neighborhoods they live in and like the house they live in or the apartment they live in. What does that look like for that young person? We have to like figure that out. But for like a 26 year old or a 35 year old, what does that look like? Right? Like they're so far in, like they're traumatized in other ways, but they don't want to address it. What does that look like? How do we address it? How do we help them amend their relationship with their parents or uh, address like, like think about it. How many of our, some, some of us even look at the fact that like, Oh, you know, my friend's going through these mental health issues. I don't even see it. Right. Right. So like, it's so hard, but like we have to find ways to be like, okay, you know what? If I see little signals, let me ask the right people. Cause I really, as much as like, I love and respect influencers or even social justice warriors on social media, right. they're not on the front lines helping these people who are going through this stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause right? it goes deeper than, than oh, just yeah, the surface. Oh yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, and I think we really underestimate how important it is to have some representat- representation in social services. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, it speaks volumes. When I, hear, when I see a grandma and I saw, talk to her in Tamil, she gets so happy to know that there's, like, there's a Tamil person out there who's supporting people impacted by violent incidents. Of course. Right? So they yes. never know. Because, like, we don't exist in these spaces. Right? Absolutely and we have right. to find ways to exist in these spaces and normalize the fact that, like, yeah, there's a Tamil person who's going to be a community violence expert. There's a Tamil person who can... Um, provide mental health support for all these boys who actually don't want to talk about it, but they're going to talk about it because they see a Tamil person who they can re- relate to. Mm-hmm, right. Right. So like I'm, I get so excited when I see Tamil people in those services. And I'm like, wow, it's Tamil like man who's like a youth outreach worker. Like I want that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because um, we need better, like as much as like there's role models on social media, I want role models in person too. hundred percent. I think this, 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 uh, this sentiment goes across the board for a- anything, right? Like every, every sort mm-hmm. of like occupation and job, but like is more so important in these kind of things where we're, we're talking about like life situations, life situations and growth and health. Right. Um, yeah, so yeah, very, sure. very valid. And like, even what you're saying, like, you know, the grandma's saying, you know, she sees you. She's very excited. She just sees a Tamil girl who's in this kind of service. Like now, they can feel that I can reach into the system and there's help for me. You know what I mean? Whereas before, be like a non-Tamil person yeah. coming and they, they won't feel that comfort. It's know? almost it's almost like you're in a foreign land and it's of like course, you know, absolutely. obviously the, the language is a native for a lot of folks too. So 100%. you're almost isolated yeah. to a certain degree and rely on the people around you. And those might be the same people who are causing the abuse of the trauma, right? Exactly. So it, it just it becomes a circle, I guess, at that point. It's like teachers yeah. and police officers not knowingly being racist to you. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, these people just yeah. don't understand you. And it's it might not be their fault. They might have the best of intentions, but they just don't understand you. Yeah. yeah, and you know, it's it, it's wild because I'm so oblivious. Like, I get really excited when I see Tamil people in my field, but I've also seen that Tamil people are also the ones who, like, didn't want to support me in the beginning mm-hmm. <laughs> because they didn't understand how a young Tamil woman came in that position, right? right? And that was very disheartening because for me, it's like, wow, like, I get so excited and, like, you know, I really want our community to be more collective. And that's what made me realize how our community is because my um, previous... Uh, like colleagues who worked with me because believe it or not like there's six of us now apparently when it was like summer of the gun in mm-hmm. toronto in 2005 there was only one person running around the whole city oh, wow 
Yeah, so, so I think 2005, they referred so to as the year of the gun. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, year of the gun. That's, that's right. Thing, yeah. And it's something yeah, like 53 so. deaths that were recorded, the highest on record, and uh, 262 yeah. shootings in total in 2005. Um, oh, we're past that now. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. we're looking <laughs> at... That uh, <laughs> that's right. For the year of 2019, we're actually looking at 490 shootings across the city. That's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And about 240 of those, 48 of those were... Um, shooting-related injuries in general. So the messed up part about that is it's become such a norm that we see this on the news, and it's almost every day that we see this that right. we just kind of ignore it at this right, point, right? right? Yeah. It's, and it's ridiculous yeah, that it's become sure. a norm. Yeah, but, but yeah, hundred percent. You're right. Even like myself, I call myself normalizing it. Like I was going to like I don't have to go to funerals, but I go to respect the family yeah. uh, just because they they I want them to know that like you know not just me but like the city and like everyone cares and stuff like that. Right. I taught myself being normal around like the fact that there's a young person who passed away i was completely okay with it and that's when i realized this is not okay <laughs> like i'm at i said the buddhist seeing like a young black man and i was completely fine with it because i would i've been to that many funerals right i'm yeah. um, seeing young people like in that situation so that's when i realized like i need to take a step back and i stopped going to funerals because i realized i was becoming so numb yeah new community yeah. violence that's that, that and, that is yeah. a, that is a challenge for sure. I can I, I can I can see that it's, especially because you're dealing with it on a daily basis. That you, you I guess eventually you do become numb to it. And I guess it might also be it might be safe to say it might be a coping mechanism for you as well too because you're dealing with such like traumatic situations on the daily basis that like if 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 you let everything get to you, I guess it might impact the way you could do the job. Right? Uh, is yeah, that fair to say? Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's why like I always have these conversations with police officers because. Um, I specific, I worked in the provincial government. I saw how racist, to be honest, like OPP was, right? right? Yeah. And when I started working with Toronto Police Services, it was a whole different environment because I was walking in ready to be like, yeah, me and police, like, this is going to be <laughs> a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, because, like, even when, I was in, when I'm in the police world, when they think of Tamil people, they think of three things, right? They think of woman abusers, alcoholics, and credit card scammers. Like, that's, the, wow. the top stereotypes because that's what they all their radio calls are about. Right, for sure. Right, and like obviously they remember like how Tamils were like back in the day when it came to gang conflicts because they had like a special task force for it. Wow. Right. Um. And, but now well, like they used this to, right? I know they used to. I don't know if that still existed. That's, well, no, yeah, it doesn't exist it doesn't now. Exist. But like yes. by that time, yeah, yeah, and you know, yeah. uh, police officers and people even in my team told me historically when they had like the one person mm-hmm. it, and like two or three, they told me that. The Tamil community and the Somali community was the hardest to get into because, you know, our communities, like Somali communities and Tamil communities, they've gone through so much trauma back home mm-hmm. that they're always on that survival instinct here that, like, they don't want other people to help them. They just figure out themselves. And that's, that's what right. Tamil community did, right? They yep. brought community leaders in was like, you all have these, like, community conflicts and there's too much violence happening in the city with Tamil people as, like, the name of it. I need you to figure this out. And they figured it out. No one else could figure it out yeah right? like it's a trust thing right it. it definitely is and i think it's like it, sure. you become a victim of it even if you're not uh directly impacted so let's say you know if you, you were sure. born in canada mm-hmm. and you weren't born in sri lanka i'm brought here or a direct victim of the genocide or you know what's happening in somalia Absolutely. um you're aware of your your you know your your people's history and the backgrounds and of you're course. aware of the the traumas of your parents your grandparents or your aunts or uncles would have experienced and i guess that carries down um and and that type of mentality or survival mode continues to stay apparent yeah. in these folks right and For you touched sure. on a very valid point there where you're talking about um you know racism existing within 
the police community in Ontario and in Canada. And of course, we're seeing a lot of that happen right now in the States uh, with, mm-hmm. you know, various different shootings and the Black Lives Matter movement. And of course, uh, as, as of lately, the, the Jacob Blake incident that we'll touch on more later. But I, I want to ask you, Deepika, would you say then that pr- police brutality uh, is apparent within uh, Canada and not just specific to uh, the States? You know what? hundred percent. I'm not going to say they're both very different. Um, I definitely think um, we are very like there's so many layers of anti-black racism in Canada and a hundred percent like what we've done to indigenous communities. Like there's a reason why the United Nations got involved and made a report about murdered and missing indigenous women. Mm -hmm. Right. Because if people look at us in a certain light, when we leave Toronto and drive up to other places up north, to do e-shoots or whatever I do mm-hmm. at Banana Leaf, yep. I can't even imagine how they treat Indigenous women who, you know, are struggling to, like, you know, find ways to, like, have the life that all, like, that colonialism did for white people. That's right. Right? right. And so it's, it's devastating because it really scares me about, like, how, like, Canadian society, like, we turn away. And I remember I worked with um, an officer who told me, like, you know, even back, I thought, like, Toronto police was struggling to find cops now. Like even back in the day, they were struggling a bit and they bought folks from Nova Scotia and other places to like deal with communities here in Toronto. And I advise that to upper folks. I'm like, that was already a problem because you're bringing people who don't understand Toronto into the city, right? So they're automatically going to have biases about what the city is and the people that live in it. Right. Because you're bringing, right. hundred percent. And we have to train them in a way that like, they're adapting to the city or they grew up in the city because someone who grew up in the city is an officer. is completely different from someone who's coming from Nova Scotia. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, the one thing about Toronto police is, um, even with like the stereotypes, you know, they make fun of me because like, they like compliment me by insulting our community sometimes. Right. Like I've witnessed that. I've dealt with that. I'm like, all right. Subtle jobs, I guess. No, it's, it's like the backhanded compliments where it's like, Oh, you're, you're you're one of the good ones. Like, is that supposed to mean a good, good, is that supposed to, am I supposed to be happy about you saying (laughs) that? You know, literally. And even because I'm like a lighter complexion, that's automatically a thing too. And you realize like, it's not even in our Tamil community where colorism an issue. People have those biases automatically. They're like, Oh, you don't look Tamil. You're light skin. And it's like, that already shows what they feel and see about colorism. And that makes you feel some sort of way. Cause you're like, am I playing a part in what colorism is doing in our community? Right. And so it, 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 it's a lot to like take in when you're working with all these people, especially like older white folks who have all these biases because they grew up, um, sorry, they were working in these careers in the nineties and two thousands and they still hold that bias about us. So that's me constantly dismantling it. But, um, with TPS specifically, some of the stuff that like they don't really talk about is the fact that even since like two years ago, they've been working with our unit and so many others to kind of, um, counter anti-black racism. Right. And they're trying to be a lot better. They have like this enhanced neighborhood officer program where there's officers who care about community and they sign up for those programs and they find ways to build better relationships with young people and the residents there. I'm not going to lie. I've had some police officers who I work with that have done amazing things. Like they've saved so so many folks from human trafficking, even like some people like I know of, um, they've stopped so many gang conflicts. They've done a lot of great work. And, but for them, when they see everything that's going on online, they personally feel attacked, right? Because mm-hmm. they love being a cop. Like, that's their career. But I always tell them, like, because they're always like, Tika, not all cops are bad. Like, why is this a thing? I'm like, but that's the problem right there. 
it's like not all cops are bad. You're fr- you're right, and you're a great cop, but the problem is not all cops are good. That's right, that's right? right. And that's exactly. what we need to always hold on to, exactly. right? It's, it's, like the, and, it's like the Black Lives Matters, All Lives Matters, uh, that thing that people go back and forth with. It's it's not that like all lives don't matter. Just what who who's being killed at the moment? You know what I mean? That's it's, right. It's the same. It's the same. Right. Idea, same idea. Yeah. That's you're you're not, yeah. you're not the first one. You hear that argument all the time too, especially with yeah. the police thing. And like while like a big topic of recent has been to defund the co- police and etc. Right. So a lot of people mm-hmm. do come with that um like that notion of like not all cops are bad. I have a friend who's a cop. He's a good guy and stuff. But it's not it's not that we're saying that it's exactly what you said not all cops are bad, but not all cops are good. And that's so much more dangerous than the other other, other yeah, side, side of it, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, like, systemically, like, people don't realize, like, I, I have guided some cops when we come into communities. I tell them, like, I don't want this cop in this area. Like, mm. I would tell the sergeant, I would be like, don't send this person. I want this person to come with me if you want. And he's like, why? I'm like, because their body language speaks volumes to how the community feels. Right, 100%. Right? Yeah. And so, like, if you're, like, standing your guard, putting your hands in your pocket and like not trying to engage with people why would they want you in that neighborhood Mm because they know automatically you're being defensive Mm -hmm. right you already are criminalizing them without even realizing it because and like you're already wearing a uniform that brings a lot of trauma to folks because i remember how many of my friends got carded when i grew up yeah right so that uniform spoke volumes to me i remember how they treated newcomers when we came right absolutely and people who don't know better that's the worst that's the most vulnerable right for sure, right? So I always look back on that. But the other thing is with defunding the police, it's so complex. I, I do agree with like um, defunding the police, but there's so many other organizations, um, so many other parts of like the city that I feel like could like the money could be allocated right. um, to like support social services because it's so scary right now with nonprofits. Um, with COVID and everything that's going Absolutely. on, there's not as many grants. So, like, there's a lot of nonprofits that do amazing work in Scarborough and in the city that might be closing down, and young people go into those spaces, right? So this is this is actually perfect. Like, as you're touching on this, right? So, mm-hmm. can t- what can we or the people who are listening can what can we do? to you know get involved and like help these situations i know obviously no like everyone can't do what you're what you're doing and like jump into the front lines as well but like there has to be avenues at least right of, of how other people can get involved like what's what's out there like what are these resources that people can tap into to you know do their part or like help out what is there anything that you can let our let our audience know yeah for sure so like um like even within scarborough i have a lot of safety networks so we have community partners who sit on that table for like different areas and we assess what the communities need. So like if any organizations that are listening here or like community partners or even people who are residents want to be part of that, whether it's citywide or Scarborough, like let me know. And I'd definitely be, let you be part of that um, to see what you can do and like how you can volunteer your time to like support people who are impacted. I personally think call your politicians, call like support your local like agencies. Like even in Scarborough, there's so many amazing agencies such as Asian Corps Community Service Association, we have East Harbor Boys and Girls Club, Storefront, we have um, Springboard, we have, like, I, I can't, uh, what's it called, Taboo, we have uh, Malvern Family Resource Center. Like, there's so many organizations that do such incredible work for marginalized populations. And so just, like, advocating for them, like, pressuring your counselors and, like, you know, MPs to, like, making sure that, like, community violence or, like, anything to do with, like, supporting marginalized communities is, like, on the top of their agenda. Absolutely, right? Because, sure. like, I'm not going to lie, I have so many communities, like, people, there's people on social media who advocate about defunding the police, 
and how like, they don't want police around. Yeah. But there's so many residents who beg me to make sure police are always near them. Yeah. Because if police are there, then there's no gang violence in their eyes. Right? right. Because they're like, because what, when police are patrolling, there's no one coming into this space and hurting one of my innocent kids. That's right. right? Like, that's their mentality. Like, I've had some amazing officers. I'm not trying to be like, I'm not even trying to like be PR for TPS or anything. Yeah. But like, when like community partners, everyone came, I remember like Danzig last year, Jaden passed away. And they, like, that community did not want anything to do with officers because they saw the way, like, you know, that boy passed away. You know, emergency responders weren't able to come right away. Like, they came, like, I think a couple minutes too too late. And, you know, they were really traumatized by that. And, like, historically, um, they weren't very happy with TPS. When I brought some officers that I personally work with um, in that space and they talked to them, they all have their own relationships now. I don't even, I'm not even, like, that middle person anymore, right? So the residents and those officers, they connect and they provide information for each other and they're looking out for each other and they build that relationship. And they're constantly like challenging each other, right? So like, and the residents would text the officers being like, hey, this other officer came in and he was actually really whack. You'd better put him in place or else don't bring him back here again. Because I want them to have that relationship, right? But it just shows that defunding the police is very important and I think very crucial, but we need to look at what that defunding looks like. Because I definitely think police officers are always on this flight or fight response constantly that sometimes they don't even realize what they're doing, right? So, like, training them and making sure that they get right kind of mandatory mental health and social service support is really crucial, and they should always have, like, people who can support those who are impacted. Like, if someone's having, like, a drug addiction problem, it shouldn't be an officer going into that call. It should be an officer and someone who specializes in, like, you know, harm reduction, right, and social service support or a social worker that should come with them because, like, we need to analyze that, like, a police officer can't handle those kinds of calls. For sure. Yeah, 100%. Right? So, so that's what the term distributive justice is, which means, like, we're concerned about the well-being of everyone in the community. So everyone who plays a part, we're looking out for every single person and making sure we're uplifting all of them together. Yeah, right? and I think that's what it is, right? It's inequity. Inequity is the focus uh, and, and, and being able to provide the services to the most vulnerable populations as well. So I don't think we could cover a bunch of organizations there um, that you can reach out to to get involved um, in a lot of the, the issues that are going on in the community today. So we'll have a link in our bio for all those uh, organizations so you can uh, reach out. Uh, once again, that's at After Hours 1027. Uh, link in the bio and we'll put in Thibika's uh, contact information as well so you can reach out to her One directly. Thing it, it's very clear just by listening to her is that this is not just a job for her. She has real passion for, for this. For sure. Like, no one better for this Aww. role than, you know, like, I <laughs> think yeah, I think everyone can see this like yeah. very clearly. And I can tell you last year's event at Versatile was an amazing event for all these kids because they had, a, you know, the older generation yeah. of dance crews like Shout Out Zillas and like all those big groups yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know, used to used to represent TSAs back in the day and, and now are, uh, are, you know, trying to teach them the art to the younger generation and right. give them an opportunity to to excel in something that would take them off the streets and take them away from violence so uh big up to you Deepika, for for putting for on sure. that opportunity for all these kids and continuing your your great work with the city of toronto uh we need more people like you in our community 100%. in all thank honesty to, to keep things pushing um and again we want to thank you so much for joining us today once again, ladies and gentlemen, Deepika Bala Krishnan, round of applause in the <laughs> oh studio. Well thank deserved, you for well having deserved. me. No, thank you for You're coming. So thank you for doing what you do because like it's like what 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 uh what Cypher touched on earlier. It's not a like you can't do this as a job. And that's what I'm realizing too. A lot of social work uh, social workers, teachers, like mm-hmm. these kind of jobs, 
you're doing it for the paycheck, you're gonna hate your life. You know what I mean? Like it just it doesn't work. It just doesn't go hand in hand. Like That's this right. is something that it's like it's like it's as a life thing. You know, like you really need to care. You really need to like um, put what you're dealing with first before yourself for sure. in most instances, right? So it, what you're doing is a great thing. And like, I, I can imagine that sometimes you might be hitting walls or it might be very tough, but like keep doing what you're doing. Like what you're doing is like, it's it's bigger than you. you it's know? Like, so, yeah, of course. Right. Like we all look for that reason to make a difference in the world. I think she's yeah. she's doing her part. Right? And, and we, we talked about channeling energies. Uh, I'm going to just plug this in here right now. Uh, on our off time, Deepika also channels your energy into the videography game. Just want to give a big <laughs> shout out to at the Banana Leaf Company. If y'all are getting married or have an event, give them a shout. Throw them a DM. They're actually amazing. The videos are actually, actually absolutely awesome. Uh, check them out on the gram. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Deepika Balakrishnan, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for keeping, like, having me in your space. And I'm very grateful for all of you. The fact that you even have the intention of, like, doing great things like I really appreciate that and to be honest like what some of the stuff that I do is just very small like all the amazing stuff that community folks do so thank you for just letting me like even state mention their organizations in your space I really appreciate that 100% we're gonna take a quick commercial break and we'll be back once again this is the after hour show on East FM 1027 stay locked Yo, Loki, that's probably my favorite mix off the mixtape. And if y'all don't know what the mixtape is, it's it, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Brought to you by 3D Sound. 3D Sound. Spotify. Spotify. Audio Mac. Audio Mac. You know what I get that? Get that crack. That's right. <laughs> Link in the bio at After Hours 1027 at 3D Sound ENT. That was my boy DJ Shifty bringing you that heat. That feel, bro. That's a feel. That, that's that song right. gets me like, you know, like makes me feel happy. Inside. What song? Pachigalil or, uh, or the coffee? Coffee sounds a good song. Both, yeah. Both are vibe. Both are vibes. That's good why vibe. you mashed it up. That mash up is a clean mash. Yeah, that's right. Shout out Shifty. I used to listen to that guy when I was growing up. When Did I was you? Kid, Shifty, you know, <laughs> John mixes. I'm like, ah, Shifty part him on the day. All right. Move it on. Let's get into it. Let's get to business. Yo, you know, that's that's how we like to start off this part of the program, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. That we like to call Man's on the Rise. Man's on the Rise. I'll warm you up with a little bit of heat, you know, bring you a little bit of local heat. And now we're going to go international. This week, again, we got another two tracks coming from the UK. From across the pond. Across the pond. Man, I'm telling you, these guys are steady killing it. Yeah. There's so much talent in the UK. So much Tamil talent in the UK. Like, and I, you know, you guys have heard all the tracks, you know, like the MC Size mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the IFTs. Shout out to boys, you know, they're killing it. The Ratty, the Sahi Siva. That's yeah, right, Sahi you know. They've, they've been ripping it in Tamil, you know, and, and, spitting, and spitting those bars. Yes, sir. Lyricism on point. Yes, but sir. these guys are actually doing it. They got that street sound, that's what it is. This is that, this is that straight up hip hop. This, yeah, yeah. this is that straight up, you know, bars, that grime. 
from the streets, it's the like, road, the roadman thing, the roadman thing it, for real. It. You know what I mean? So the first song actually that's coming at you uh, is the boy Cliche. Uh, he's actually been around for quite some time now. The homie's been uh, on Link Up TV. If you don't know what that is, so he's the real deal. Uh, he's been spinning bars for some time, but he just recently dropped this track called "Trust the Process," uh, featuring Sangeet. Uh, we're gonna play this track for you right now, and uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Once again, this is Trust the Process brought to you by Cliche. Let's go. Judge, but they don't know the half of it. Everything I do, I put my heart in it. Everything I do, I do it proper. Big smiles front upper. Cause if it gets to popping, we're running to no copper. Uh, I'll take little shorty up a rocker for some sushi. My shorty bad and she bougie. I used to move Benzes in the hootie. Now I'm passing through the ends in the 69 Benz. Got these like hoozy, I ain't made it, but we came a long way. Couple times I got lost, I got sent the wrong way. But I always rerouted, took it out and recouped it. Couple times we rebooted, straight wins, we ain't losing none. Uh, pull some henny, make a toast to the progress. Told bro, have some patience, trust the process, cause soon be shining. Pinky ring blinding, get that rolly 41 and show these bitches about timing. Ain't nothing changed but the bands that we made. Still the same friends on a day-to-day, uh Getting money, that's the only thing I rate They don't know about the risks that we take, are we need Mortgages, mortgages, I need more flips Car keys, car keys, I need more whips Shorty bad, you only see her in the yardrip I want racks on racks, they want more kids I'm getting closer every move I make Ride into the wheels, fall off, I can't lose faith Seen hella pain, hella rain, still I'll do it all again I was throwing pennies in the wishing well, just praying for a change, yeah Marijuana kept me sane, yeah Paranoia, I just charge it to the game, yeah They claim they wish me well, but I see through it, it's all fake When I cut out all the snakes, then I start switching lanes, yeah Lane switch, try to be the richest, give a fuck if I ain't famous Need to get some houses, man, I'm stacking for some acres You man, are flipping ounces, risking freedom for some trainers I swear you man, are brainless, yeah I'm from a different club, I'm from a different breed When I was hitting them dots, running around the city All I had was a dream, now they turn into reality, yeah my motherland's bleeding when I'm stressing over vanity, uh Ain't nothing changed but the bands that we make Still the same friends on a day-to-day, uh Getting money, that's the only thing I rate They don't know about the risks that we take, all we need Mortgages, mortgages, I need more flips Car keys, car keys, I need more whips Shorty bad, you only see her in the drip I want racks on racks, they want more kicks Shay. Trust the process. That, that was, was crazy. Big track. Yeah, big track for sure. It's a big vibe. Cliche has a lot of tracks loaded on Spotify right now, and they're all just as hard as this track. Uh, we actually have another track for you from Amazon Rise today that actually features Cliche as well. Uh, this song is coming off of Sam's album, uh, Since Summer, that just dropped uh, in July of this year. Uh, once again, this is Sam, and this next track is called Still. Uh, also coming from the UK once again. This is still cliche, Sam. Let's go. AJ sounds. Still, still the same brodies. 
I got the pickings on nosy eye. Still moving on low key. I'm from a place where police fly. I'm doing my own. But if I need, then I know Brody right. He's coming with tone. That boy doing ten toes. I'm still, still with the same Brodies. I got the pickings on nosy eye. Still moving on low key. I'm from a place where police fly. I'm good on my own. But if I need, then I know Brody right. He's coming with tone. That boy doing ten toes. He fly. Still getting bands in tax free and in the south of France. Youngers building spots like acne, pedal bikes coming like the Tour de France. Still down south by the seaside. Got Zez there and I got free fares. Hella Zez there, I ain't been sleep, I ain't been out here trying to make my peas rise. Check my eyes, you see the bags. Shorty trying to give me ag. I ain't trying to buy bags, I'm just trying to get the bag Fit some packs and hit the lab, uh Hella hits, bro, this ain't kung fu Finesse your missus when we kung fu Like I ain't trying to stay for long, boo Shorty, show me what I can do, uh Still, still the same brodies I got the pickings on nosy, I Still moving on low-key I'm from a place where police fly I'm good on my own But if I need, then I know Brody right He's coming with tone That boy doing ten toes, I'm still Still with the same brodies I got the pickings on nosy, I Still moving on low key. I'm from a place where police fly. I'm good on my own, but if I need, then I know Brody rides. He's coming with tone. That boy tuned ten toes, he fly. Blow them sugar like glucose. Got Sunni space like Pluto. Shorty wanna play games like Uno. Who knows? I've been in this game like Cluedo. That means I'm in a rave. Shot fade when I'm looking at judo. I'm just trying to see change like Brexit. Flex quick, trying to be a star like Euro. Still with the same bros from day one. Still middle finger up to a pagan. See your chick, she was looking all lonely. So I thought I smacked that like Akon. Uh, I'm with Mo and J1. Big suit got me lifted, I'm way gone. I'm still trying to get cream like Avon. I'm still trying to chase dreams, get paid on. Uh, I'm just trying to see P. Backtrack, I was on my PC. Nobody ever chased me. So I thought I'ma have to chase P's. That guy used to be a G, and that B used to C D. But now I heard she's linking A. It could be great or cliche. Still, still the same Brodies. I got the pickings on nosy. I still moving on low key. I'm from a place where police fly. I'm good on my own, but if I need, then I know Brody right. He's coming with tone. That boy doing ten toes. I'm still, still the same Brodies. I got the pickings on nosy. I still moving on low key. I'm from a place where police fly. I'm good on my own, but if I need, then I know Brody rise. He's coming with Tom. That boy two and ten toes, he fly. Also, some heat. More man's on the rise. More man's on the rise. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. That was Sam once again with this track called "Still" featuring Cliche off his uh, recent EP called "Sin Summer." Yo, y'all need to check that out. I don't know if you, if you two have heard it yet, but it's on Spotify. Uh, and his whole vibe switches up pretty quick. Like he has some like hard rap. Yeah, that's what I that's what I see. Yeah. That's right. You know, there's a track called "Summer" that's on there. That's that's a little bit of a dancehall vibe. So this, this man's versatile. Yo, versatility heck, you know, is on like point. Hundred percent. It's, so. it's it's pretty crazy too. Like I'm just like just like just taking it in. Like it, we've been like this third week back to back. I think we've had like "Man's on the Rise." That's hit, right. Hit hard and yo, you can't help but feel proud that like these tracks are bangers. You know, 100%. like these guys are bringing the heat. And like both these tracks too, like you could tell production value is on point. Huge, you know. That's it, 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 beautiful, man. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing, you know. It's amazing. Gets and me excited. If you want to hear more of these tracks, "Man's on a Rise," uh, link to our Spotify playlist for "Man's on a Rise" is uh, in our bio once again. That's at After Hours One Hundred Two Seven. And that was "Man's on a Rise." Yeah, this man. Week. Check it out. Episode Spotify, seven. YouTube, any get your track anywhere. But we got our playlist as well too. So make, make it, it easy, easy for, for you everybody. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, big yeah. time. Check it out. Click the link. <laughs> link up for your Arigo, please. <laughs> All right, boys. Let's keep it moving. Let's like, keep it moving. Uh-huh. On to our next segment. Top five, top five, top five.
Hey, that's mine. That's mine. Hey, what are you doing? I need to get it in quick. I'm like, yo, I've been practicing that. I'm like, yo, we saw some this guy one time. Top five, top five, top five. That's the original. Yeah, that's the original. I'm the goat. I think you got me. I think you got me there. Yeah, 100% I got you. No, there's no argument about it. All right, boys, top five. This week's top five. As you know, top five is a segment where we cover everything. That is newsworthy, or what's happening in, in in for this week? That's right. This week's top five. Let's get straight into business. Coming in at number five. This one's jokes. This one's crazy, actually. <laughs> I'm proud. I'm great also story. laughing, you know, because great story. So we have 11 year old Sangavi Radhan, local Tamil girl from Mississauga. Mississauga, that's what's right. Done? Yep. She actually got herself into the Guinness Book of Records. What? For being able to solve 30 Rubik's Cubes under an hour. 30. Three, what? Zero. Three, zero. Three, zero. That's Three not decades. all, though. <laughs> not all, though. <laughs> I'll get into that. What else was she doing? All while hula hooping. Come yeah. on. That's Let's it, man. Get out of here. That's yeah. it. Do I need to say anything more? That's it. Shout out to Sangavi Rodden. Local talent. Straight dub on that one. Coming with that heat, bro. Hold up, hold up. Let me hear that back again. The 30 Rubik's Cubes. 30 Rubik's Cubes. They in still, an hour. In yeah. an hour. While hula hooping. And no, there's still one more factor to it. One-handed was the Rubik's Cube. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the thing with Sangavi is she's, so her, there's, she has a, a lack of mobility in one of her hands. Okay. So... I was watching the news are the news reports. So her parents talking about the lack of humility in her hand. She wanted to do something. She wanted to go above and behind and do something to mm-hmm. prove that she's still capable. Sure. So what this girl did is she turned around. She solved the Rubik's cube. One big thing already. I I, I did a Rubik's cube once. Did one side and I put it away. Yeah. Nah. But I think I've probably got a half of one. But side. But Tagachi over here busts out. 30 Rubik's Cubes in one hour, all while hula hooping. Oh. And she got herself a ticket to Spoken Records, man. One hand tig. Hey, shout I, out to Sangavi. I, I think we actually have a little clip uh, uh, of the show, and, or not the show, rather, right? but her parents speaking on, uh, the, new segment, on yeah. the new segment. So uh, let's check that out. Cypher, what do you got? She's just fireball. Like, she's always going to do something, reading or doing something. She won't waste time. She had a birth injury on her right arm, and she has undergone two surgeries when she was little. So due to her less mobility on the right arm, she started, she won't achieve something with the other arm. So she started practicing with her left arm. One thing is dropping the hoop. You might get too distracted by the Rubik's Cube and then you accidentally drop the hoop. That was one challenge for me. Another challenge is dropping the cube because um, in the real attempt, if you drop the cube, the, the attempt is deemed over. So I had to make sure I got a firm grip on the Rubik's Cube. So that was definitely a challenge. I would like to achieve more records in the future. I do have other cubes such as 4x4, 5x5, Pyraminx, Megaminx. I am working on some records with those. (laughs) Yo, uh, for all you listening on the radio right now, unfortunately we can't give you the visuals. But that news report goes, yo, link in the bio, go check it out. The exact With thing you should be searching is this Ontario 11-year-old broke a Rubik's Cube Guinness record. Look Bro, that up. That speed TV was ridiculous. CBC, yeah. Look yeah, at the like, this, yo, that was some, you, We've seen that. That was crazy, man. Bro, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Shout out to Sangubi, bro. I'm yeah, just, yo, that's, that's something that like, I, I think every pair would be proud of. And like, it's it's very uh, it's very inspiring story. To Did you hear what she was saying? How like they, she, If she drops one of the cubes, the whole thing it is over. Count, so yeah. They have to make man. sure that they hold on to the entire cubes before so, this. Is someone else tossing her the next cube then? Uh, yeah, there's one person that's giving her the next cube. So she got to catch you with one hand like a, too. It's like a facilitator. No, it's not they toss. They like just, just hand it over. Uh, okay. It's like a swap. Reaching over. They, they have to uh, take the, the completed one, put it on the table, yeah, and yeah. then give you the new one. Man. So Regardless, yeah. Sangavi, yeah. 
Big one up. handed Rubik's Cube. Yeah, that, I rate that. Legend. Crazy. Definitely top five worthy. Yeah, yeah on, on, on to the next one. Coming in at number four. Before we get talking, I'm just going to play you guys a little something. Somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool. Yo, this is like Shrek Shrek. This goes to be a hot Shrek, bro. This Shrek is a classic. <laughs> Legendary. Since 1999. I think like every single uh, childhood cartoon or movie had this, you know? Uh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, no, you gotta wait yeah, for it. You gotta wait for this. You gotta wait for Yo, is it a thing, or do you, do you think uh, you know all these rock songs back in the day were acceptable, but now it's like, yeah. I think this is rock. To be honest with you. I think this is yeah. like a this is a rock right, song. It's like pop. <laughs> but but it's the, it's the this part right here, guitar yeah. track. Let's go. Hey, hey you're a rock star. Hey, hey, uh, uh, hey, hey. Hey, okay. Alright, all right, pull it back, pull it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> why'd so you play that? Coming in at number four. For those of you who do not know, that is uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Mm-hmm. And like a 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I 1999, guess, it says. 1999, yeah. rock band, right? So, <laughs> these guys had this one hit. And they, they've been uh, trending recently because what happened was they had a concert. And a hundred plus COVID cases. <laughs> Come on, man. Who's going to this concert and listen to the same song over uh, and over again? Yo, he needs some milk. Bro, he needs some milk. For real. Yo, it's crazy. I like uh, the, the, the hold that up. I think it's a big help. First, a big help. I mean, it's a, it's a dub for Smash Mouth for being able to grind out one hit for 20, 20 plus How many years times do you think years. they played that on repeat at that Yo, concert? Yo, I'm pretty sure they hate themselves for playing that 100%. song. You know what I mean? Like, it's probably 100%. one of those. Yep. But get your money, man. Yeah. Get your money. You know? like, that's what it is. Sells records, Don't yeah. pass on that COVID. Oh, yeah, my God. Twitter is having a field day with these people who went to the Smash Mouth concert. <laughs> I went one. It's like, I hope the corner writes cause of death. Smash Mouth concert. Where, on every where was the these. concert? Uh, South Dakota in the state, of course, in America, yeah, of yeah. course, America, America yep. you know, America. <laughs> so that mean just to just to like you know throw this out there. COVID is obviously not a joke, and like getting like uh, it, you know the people passing away is not a joke. But the fact that these people are out here at a concert and a hundred plus people got infected for a Smash Mouth concert, especially when your yeah. your country's out like in almost the millions now. I yeah, think in terms of like, <laughs> confirmed cases. Come on, man. Yeah, yo, this is <laughs> stupid. I'm telling you. Yo, Prodigy, if by next week you don't have a Twitter account, I think th- I think it's safe to say that Missing me and Zep are going to uh, kick you off the show. Listen, man. Listen. There's no point because I come in here every week and you guys already have the updates for me anyways. <laughs> Fair so enough. By the time I read it, you guys can already tell me anyways. Nothing beats seeing I can't even enjoy it myself. There might be stuff that we don't see that you might see. Like right now, I'm reading a tweet it's regarding the Smash Bros. situation. It's like, imagine being on your deathbed and thinking, well, seeing Smash Bros. totally worth it. <laughs> Yo, oh my god! Yeah, uh, yo, that's uh, oh my god, that was uh, uh yo, that shout out to Smash Mouth though. I'm, I think the biggest surprise for all of this is the fact that Smash Mouth is still so out here, relevant, performing. Hey, now you're an all star, you know. <laughs> Big ups to them. Yo, if, if you had to see one last concert before, you know, yeah, you have, well, you have one concert to choose from. If you ever have to see it, and it's the one concert only, who would it be? What Easy. artist would it be? Easy question. Let's, well, let's I don't know what Cypher's gonna say. Jesus concert. There Rewind that. I didn't do it. Oh, you're seeing a, a pre-existent no, concert no, 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 no. that already happened? Yo, or he's, he's just reliving his nostalgia because he's, okay, he's okay. a Kanye, you know, writer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you can put in the middle word. <laughs> on here. <laughs> put that on here. Uh, but, yeah, yo, so you only get one artist, one concert. The only concert you get to see. Yeah. Maybe you kick the bucket after God knows. Okay, okay. <laughs> Who would it be? Well, yeah, for me, the answer is Hove. 
Jay Z concert. I, 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 I thought you, you were gonna say concert. SPB still. Yeah, <laughs> see, SPB is up there too. I would take, yo, I would take SPB concert too. But I mean, I'm gonna say right now because I think we're on the topic of you know like. Um, I guess English music. We didn't specify, you know, so like yeah. you could have chosen anybody. I'm gonna say both then. Okay, fine. SPB or but between collabo, SPB collabo and, between them. Yo, SPB whole club. <laughs> it's the Rock <laughs> or Ren or Ren Mudalali. <laughs> what is going on today? <laughs> yo, let's let's keep it moving, boys. Oh, let's keep it man. moving. <laughs> on to the next one. Topic number three. Number for three. Today. Mm-hmm. So number three, it's it's a little bit more, now back to reality of like what's going on. Um, the shooting of Jacob Blake. I think everyone knows about this already. This is something that's been rocking the past week of uh, of, of the news. And I mean, once again, it's, it's sadly nothing new. It's some the same thing that's happening again and again. What happened was there was a, an unarmed black man who was going to his vehicle. There was some sort of confrontation with police officers. As he's entering his vehicle, he was actually shot seven times in the back. That's right. It was a 29 year old African American again by the name of Jacob Blake, uh, and this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, just days ago on August 23rd. So. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, heard about it by now, uh, I'm not sure what you're doing because this is everywhere. I mean, there's a, there's a wave of effects that have come out because of the shooting. And yep. of course, you know, in the last couple of months, there's been a number of protests in regards to Black Lives Matter and a number exactly. of social justice movements. So when something like this still proceeds to happen. And, and you know, the in light of all this, where protests are still happening, even till this day, right. uh, is absolutely insane. And of course, it's enraged a lot of people. Um, thankfully, Jacob Blake is still alive. Uh, reports are saying that he's actually paralyzed from the waist down, unfortunately, due to uh, the injuries that he succumbed to. Um, what do you guys think, man? Like this the is the thing this about is this one. The the thing that really got me or opened my eyes for this one is like it was almost like the way that the cop grabbed him from the back was like a cold blooded murder. Like the, the intention, you can see it. The intention was just straight. I'm, I'm going to kill this guy. It's you know, execution. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, like straight up, they tase this guy first. And as like within, I want to say uh, a fraction of 10 seconds or maybe even a fraction of five seconds later, they pull out the gun and they shot him seven times. And this is where it gets me the most, right? It's like, th- there's so many factors. One, he's not facing you, right? right. Maybe he was le- leeching for something into his car and, like, right. and try to grab something. But seven bullets like you're trying to disarm him or just to impair him right so he's not moving so even in a situation where you know he could have been a violent person and you know he could have been reaching for something but uh, the reality is you all you need is one like if you really are gonna shoot somebody because the situation is that bad and it's gotten to a point which obviously in this case from the videos didn't seem like it was like it's it's the excessive force it's excessive force that's and and that's the whole thing with police officers too is like your your job shouldn't be to kill people it should be to de-escalate and change turn like take control of the situation right like this is why like the police officers and like law enforcement needs better training and like uh in like a better handle of how to deal with these kind of situations and like what what's also very disheartening is too is that like after this has come out like there's been updates of like there's a knife in the vehicle they're talking about his yeah. past of how he was and who he was and stuff like that first of all you got to understand that like whether a knife was in the vehicle or not it doesn't justify him being shot six times in the back you know when he's not there that's where the cops need to learn how to de-escalate the situation yes. number two regardless of what he did or how he was or like who he was as a person we live in a society of like where we have a judicial system we have these systems and courts and like laws in place to like give people the benefit of the doubt or a fair trial to be t- tried you know mm-hmm. if we're walking around and like just because someone was some sort of offender and we're just killing them at will like it's not the world we live in you know we're not we, we don't have those kind of systems in place so like the fact that this is happening is, is super disheartening and like What's even worse is that like there's videos that come out like it's just, it's obviously a racial factor here, right? Let's not let's not even 
kid around. There's a video that came out actually a couple, couple like I think I seen it maybe a week ago or a week or two ago. I don't know if it's new or how old it is, but it's a kid who walks into a courtroom and what happens is he says he's high on shrooms, but then he starts like attacking an officer, takes his gun and actually shoots an officer. Oh man! And the whole time there's like seven or eight officers and they're all like just climbing on him and jumping on him and trying to like you know get a hold of him. Right. And they end up do. They don't kill him. They don't shoot him. Not even once. Right. And of course, as you can imagine, the kid is white. You know what I mean? But if the, if the situation was reversed and it's a black person, obviously the first thing the cops is doing is reaching for a gun and that's yeah. where the problems arise exactly. from, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you see that in the cases of like, you know, Eric Garner and like yeah, man. Uh, all these George Floyd, all these guys before. Whenever you look at the videos, it's always, it's never one officer who's like, Pushed up against the wall, you know, yeah. where, you know, there's, they're thinking about the safety of their life and then Absolutely. they have to pull out the gun to, to protect themselves. Yep. There's like four of these guys, five of these guys, six, seven, whatever the case may be. Bro, and then even at that point, when it's one man that you're looking to, you know, incarcerate, it's just like, it's insane. And I think the, the real problem is and why it just keeps happening is because uh, maybe I'm ignorant to this, but I think a lot of these conversations we've had around Black Lives Matter and, and the, you know, what the press puts out. Uh, is awareness, which is amazing, and it needs to be put out there. Awareness is important, but I think a lot of the problem goes back to the fact that we talk about just awareness and not solutions, right? Uh, I think it's come to a way past the point now where we need to talk about how this could be uh, treated uh, from a solution perspective uh, and at a systemic level too, right? Because mm -hmm. it is systemic; it's not something that's happening in you know just one or two parts of this of the country. Right. It's all over the entire country, and of course, like Deepika said earlier on the show, it's happening in Canada as well, right? Absolutely. So it's, I, I think it's important by now to start talking about uh, what policies need to be changed. What kind of policies could be put in place to, to protect people, you know, outside of body cameras? Because, you know, that's only going to come in handy after the fact when after. you're in court. It's right? reactionary, not preventionary. You exactly. Know? That's what it is. And it, it's, it's, I can see why it's a challenge, right? I mean, yeah. you're talking about a population of millions of people uh, and policies that have been in place since the foundation of the country. Con conditionings. The exactly. conditionings have to change. But I mean, we've got to start somewhere, right? It, yeah. it's, it's, it's like... It's like even touch on what Deepika talked about earlier too. It's like you know how um, like people want to defund the police and stuff like that too. There's obviously scenarios where the police are still needed for some situ situations. Yeah. And like all of a sudden we can't just wake up and be like, okay, no more police because it won't work because there's some aspects that need help. You know, like not yeah. not control. I think that's a bad word, but like I think it's help. You know, assistance. Yeah. Well, it's but, like domestic abuse or but, any situation. Of that exactly. Sort. But yeah. what happens is if we start funding the right resources and putting like preventionary resources into play right now if we plant those seeds in the next few years as we keep going we'll see the we'll see the fruits of that labor right yeah. and then it's going to take some time but we got to start somewhere you know yeah, what i mean it's For it's, sure. it's uh, talking about social inequities right so you're, you're putting money into i mean at least that's the hope right and you people sure. saying defund the police and the hope is that the um, the money that's being uh, taken away from police services are being reallocated to the appropriate services. Exactly. And the, the hope is that that's the case, right? So we're talking about things like mental health. Uh, we're talking about, um, you know, secure housing for folks. Right. Uh, we're talking about, you know, food insecurities that people yep. are that are being challenged. Those, those now, things so. that you don't think have an effect, but they Definitely do have 100%, an effect. Yeah, you know? for sure. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's a very, very, very unfortunate, it's disheartening. Kind of ties back to what we talked about last week in terms of Messiah when he said, Luckily, there was some video to show. And imagine this situation here where there might have been no For video. Sure. It could have got very easily brushed under For the sure. carpet, right? So yeah. um, luckily, there was some video to show like these things are still happening, even with all the protests and things that are going on. And it kind of sparked the light on some new things and new yeah. changes. And, yeah. and I guess that leads on to what we're talking about next. That's the world we live in. Exactly. And now yeah. the thing is, 
our top three is going to be pretty relevant to each other. So number two is the major sports things have a lot of them have walked out or postponed games. That's we started right. with the NBA. A lot of players did express their um, their unhappiness with, uh, with with what the league was doing, what the owners yeah. were doing. So to to make a statement as well, too, a lot of players said to walk up. I think it started with the, the Clippers. Bucks. The Bucks. Actually, it's first. actually to be completely honest, it started with the Raptors. It well, did start with the Raptors. So Freddy, yeah, shout out Toronto Raptors. Of course, of course time. Yeah, you know, yeah. it, it didn't just stop at putting the Black Lives Matter message on the side yeah, of the right, bus. Right. It was Freddie. Uh, Freddie was, was Freddie Van Vliet. That's absolutely yeah, right. Yeah, he was the first person to say, step up and say, you know what, we need to consider this. And the Raps game versus Celtics actually tomorrow. Yeah, it's been postponed, but because. Uh, you know the situation happened in Wisconsin, which is the home of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, they were the first to react, to, and then they it, came it, out. It just uh, coincidentally they had the next game, and I guess it made sense for them to postpone their game, makes sense, boycott yeah. their game first. Uh, and the way that it works is if one team boycotts or doesn't decide to play, the other team now has the option to take the win, or you know they get to make the decision. And, and the Orlando, by default. who yeah. are they playing? Are they playing Orlando? It uh, was Orlando. It yeah. was so, Orlando. So with yeah, Orlando, yeah, yeah. Um, they were on they, the court. They had the option. Yeah, they had the option to take the, the W if they wanted to do so. And then obviously that now became a thing where they're like, no, we're not. We're not taking the W. We're also boycotting. So yeah. that's how the, the the movement started, and it slowly became a domino effect with right, right. the rest of the uh, the teams in the NBA. And the Clippers and the Lakers said they're not playing at all. They were yeah. going to continue the season at all. But yeah. I mean, what happened yesterday is the, the I think they they came to the consensus that they're going to. Bring the bring the NBA back. The players are going to continue on the twenty eighth, which is today. Yeah. Um. But I, I think that what happened was with uh with that is just I think what happened was there was a conversation about some players are in positions of where they need this as like a job and like it, it's it's a crossroads, man. I, I feel I feel for them. I do understand. Like I'm I'm fully supportive of like the fact that shutting the NBA down and it is sort of a big message. But at the same time, there's I think there's livelihoods in in, in yeah. play. I think that's why that that's where the decision to play came back. So I mean, there's there's a lot more that needs to be done than just like ending. I don't know, man. I, livelihoods is, is hard to say because we're talking about an industry where these guys are making multi millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, which are obviously more uh, luxurious than the average person, right? So, uh, Draymond Green actually came out on social media and said something interesting where he said he actually believes the NBA should continue to play, okay, um, purely because he thinks that. And I, to be honest, I, I understand the sentiment. Um, you know, you're taking away the platform. Um, that has so much uh, influence, right? So, like, you know, like the, the point of bringing back the NBA and, and writing Black Lives Matter on the side of the courts, allowing these players to have, uh, you know, not just their name on the back of the jerseys, but a saying as well, where that means, you know, um, say her name for Breonna Taylor or, you know, Black Lives Matter, whatever the case may be, right? These are uh, in a time where, you know, there's almost nothing to watch, I guess you can say, for lack of a better term. Um, and now, you know, all eyes are on the sports, that, the limited sports we have to watch. Right. Um, there's a platform now where, you know, the the, the voiceless could be voiced, right? For sure. Um, so, you know, I, I think I, I completely get what that sentiment comes from. And that's exactly why the NBA was brought back to begin with. So now to go back and to take it away, like I get the fact that, you know, it, it's... Um, it's a tough situation. It really is a bad call. It's a really hard call to make. And, you know, I get where black uh, athletes are coming from because it's like, hey, you know, our people are the ones who are being killed. Why should we be the ones on TV that are entertaining you while our people are continuing to be killed, right? right. So it's like... It's, They're at a crossroads. This is difficult. It's a, really, it's a really bad place to be in, for sure. It falls with, like, the other sports league where we have exactly. the NHL and then the MLB. It's like these leagues now feel obligated yeah. to uh, yeah, yeah. boycott their games as well, even though... 
some might not feel the same way, right? So it's now become a domino effect where the NBA did something for a reason, but are the other leagues doing something for the same reason? We don't know that, right? So yeah, it's, it's exactly. hard to say. It was a, it, there was the um, the Marlins and the Mets uh, walked off. off. Yeah, they walked okay. off. So so I think they had a moment of silence and they walked off the pitch and then uh, they, they left behind a Black Lives Matter shirt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the NHL was catching a lot of flack, especially from Evander Kane, who's actually a black yep. player. Yep. Mm-hmm. He was like, you guys aren't doing anything. You guys aren't reacting to anything. And then, then he called them out. And he, he, he he's very vocal about it too. I'd yeah. seen a, a Bleacher Report article that was t- on Twitter. And then Evander Kane commented on like, it. quote tweeted that. Yeah. Right. And then he said, absolutely unacceptable. So he's yeah. obviously very frustrated with yeah. the NHL as well too. And they've obviously reacted to that and uh, have postponed a couple of games. I think those were a lot more reactionary just because of the press. Yeah, definitely. I don't think they're coming from as genuine of... Uh, genuine of uh, of a place, you know, and, and the reality is, uh, the NHL doesn't have as much as a, a, a broad diaspora as the MLB of or the course, NBA does, course, right? There's yeah. only a handful of players, like yeah, yeah. you know, uh, you know, Aginla and and Evander Kane or like yeah. PK Jin- Subban. PK Subban. There's like you can probably name all the colored hockey players I see. On, on like one hand or on yeah. two hands tops, right. and that's yeah. about it. At least the top ones, right? right. The ones mm-hmm. are being voiced. Whereas look at the NBA, which is like. Probably 90% African American. Yeah. The, they make the call. You yeah, know? and the, 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 ML, call. the MLB has it's it's a good amount mix of Hispanics, of yeah. uh, African Americans, of Caucasians. Yeah. Of, you know, you name. They got it. the NFL, which is the same thing as the NBA. You know, they got yeah. the power there, right? So, yeah. it, it, I mean, I get it. I do understand it. it. It's 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 such a such a difficult time. You know, it's such a it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to be them. Like, I understand where they're coming from on their platform as well too. And then at the same time, like it's like what you said, like the Draymond comment was valid. Like they're yeah. saying that like this is the platform that you have. You walk away from it. And you don't use it. Then what's the point of it too, yeah. right? But mm-hmm. it's tough, man. It is. And I mean, there's again, there's been a lot of ripple effects that have happened from the shooting, and that moves us on to uh, our number one story, which is even more unfortunate. Uh, as a wave effect of uh, of the Jacob Blake uh, shooting, uh, Matthew, I'm not sure what number one is. Yeah, so number one is actually is a ridiculous story. Like it, it all ties into like the last two topics, right? So there was a 17 year old during the protests at Kenosha, the place of where the Blake shooting was. What was happening is this 17 year old was walking around with an AR-15 and an assault rifle, mm-hmm. not a regular handgun, but an assault rifle, you know, big Call of Duty gun, walking around, and he was walking around like he's he, he he's like. They say he came to protect the place, but what happened was I think he ended up getting attacked, so he started shooting off people, and he actually killed two people. That's right. So he actually he actually pulled up with uh, a group that uh, uh, you know considered themselves a militia. A militia, uh, yes. Right. So uh, I mean, let's face it; these guys are basically gangs at this point, right? They're, they're white a, white people with guns. With guns, exactly. And, and they're assault rifles. With and guns. seventeen, nonetheless, you're not even old enough to, to, to have hold a gun. gun that's right. right. Yeah. So I mean, you were you went there. Clearly, with uh, some kind of motivation to, to, to get kill. something like that done, hundred percent. Right? So. These guys could tell us all the stories that they, as much as they want about, oh, we're here to protect and keep the peace and stuff like that, and like maintain a, a lively order. Like that's you saying, get in line and act the way we want you to act is what they're saying. Yeah, it's not saying that what happened was wrong, and uh, you know, like we understand that you're in pain. It's not that. It's like get in line, you know, get stand up and go go back, get back to business. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the funny thing is too is like, so there was a uh, the, the Kenosha the, the sheriff. He was he actually had made a statement, and in his statement he actually said he brought up that people were out and about after curfew, and the fact that if they weren't, this wouldn't have happened. Right. It's like saying that the people is who got like, murdered is the curfew that was related to the pandemic. 
Um, I think it was with the protest. I believe, I got I got to double check on what what it was, but there was a curfew in place. Gotcha. And it might have been because of the protest as well too. But there was a curfew. To so take in the place. light off, what's important to basically, take, yeah. It's, yeah. That's that's like saying like a, a victim of a crime. It's like oh, if you weren't there at that time, you wouldn't have been robbed, or exactly. you wouldn't have been like you were well, at the wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Like, how you blame? Like, you can't blame the victim. Exactly. Like, it's, it's, America's just a different, different, different. It's not even a beast. It's like a different. You want to hear something crazy oh. about this story? So there's a, there was a photo of this this 17 year old kid. Yeah, uh, goes by the name of Kyle. That was posted on Facebook where he's holding this the same gun that he took over to the protest. Right. And what what people are saying is this seems to be from uh, a former police explorer, which is a program for kids considering a career in law enforcement. There you go. This all ties back now to. Yeah, what, what we've all been talking we've about, all been yeah. talking about. Yep. police brutality. brutality, racist police, perhaps. Absolutely. And this this is eye opener. You know, it's yeah. like something that someone who's so young, seventeen years old, conditioned in such a way that they are looking into a, a career, perhaps, in law enforcement yep. for the wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, of course, he was arrested. But here we sit with something that could have ended ended so much worse than 100%. what happened. Right. So. It's, it's crazy to think about. That's a scary thing, right? Like these people, these losers. Let's not let's not let's not hold back. These losers <laughs> go and join these join positions of power like policing, uh, law, to push their agendas, right? Like this yeah. guy, like he always trained by the police, and like he's gonna he's gonna become a police officer. Imagine That's this right. guy. It, right now, he's a seventeen year old kid who ended up killing someone before he became a police officer. He became a police officer. You know what's gonna happen? He's gonna still still kill somebody, right? But he'll do it behind the law, behind, behind the the, the long arm of the law, yeah, you know, to protect and to serve, right? So exactly. So it, it, it's 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 this is very disheartening. It's actually very very angry, angering like this, these kind of topics, and it's yeah. it's unfortunate. But like even the fact that like he did the shooting and then he's walking towards the cops and the Cops didn't shoot him or anything. They were yeah. giving him instructions and he kept walking. That's it. And then they let him go. Yeah, this is it. If, if you don't, if, you, if there's no better way to prove that racism and hatred and like prejudice exist than the, these scenarios, you know what I mean? And if you need any more explanation, then I'm sorry, you cannot be helped. You know, you're part of the problem. Right. Yeah. And uh, it is unfortunate, but uh, there are some things that we can do to help. And we're going to leave some information. Again, look at our bio at afters127. Uh, we're going to leave you a couple links to some petitions that people can sign uh, and find some more information on the on the Black Lives Matter movement as well as a few other movements as well um, that help people who are uh, underprivileged and uh, are in vulnerable populations. Uh, and with that, we're going to wrap this up. Once again, this was episode seven of the After Hours show right here on East FM, brought to you by the boys at 3D Sound Crew. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for coming in. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode seven and we are out.